Short Cast Club. Hello, we're here today with volume 19 of some of our favorite recent short casts. I'm Avi Kaufman, your host, and this is Short Lights, an anthology of the best of Short Cast Club. I hope you learn something or find inspiration from today's selection. In today's episode, you'll hear from Tammy Emmett about the four chemicals of happiness. Bill Harper with 20 pieces of wisdom that will change your business, Susan Durand with a trick she learned from musician Bobby McFerrin, Samantha Chung with insights on intrinsic motivation, Kayla Yuli shares an expensive lesson, and we'll wrap up with a question from Holly Schroeder. Let's start with Tammy Emmett, a therapist. She explains the four brain chemicals that produce different types of happiness and how to get them in this episode of Therapy Beyond the Couch. To feel happier, you need to produce these four brain chemicals. The first one is dopamine. Dopamine is the chemical that gets released when you tick that task off the list, when you complete a task, when you feel purposeful and productive. The next is serotonin. Serotonin gets released when you are relaxed, when you meditate, when you close your eyes for a moment and stay still. Next, endorphins. Endorphins get released when we exercise, when we dance, when we move our body and release energy. And last is oxytocin. Oxytocin is a love chemical, and it gets released when we hug, when we cuddle, when we pet an animal, or even a stuffy. So there you have it. Purpose, relaxation, energy release, and connection to feel happy. Second, let's hear some rapid-fire marketing advice. In this episode of Don't Just Win, Dominate, Bill Harper, a marketing and branding leader, lists out 20 pieces of wisdom that will totally change your business. Keep getting these messages. Bill, hurry up. It took too long. All right, here's 20 things that will totally and completely change your business in the next minute and a half. Number one, stand for one thing. A jack of all trades and a master of none is absolutely useless in the eyes of your target audience. Identify one really big pain point and stick with it. Number two, in order to know what your one thing is, conduct consumer research and don't ask dumb questions like, what would make our product better? They don't have the vocabulary for that. Instead, find out why they buy, when they buy, where they buy, under what circumstances they buy, what they love and hate about the buying process. Number three, don't use mission and vision statements because people can't relate to them. Instead, simplify. Use a purpose statement to rally your internal team and a tagline to uh, rally your external team. Make sure that the purpose statement is no more than 10 words. Make sure that the tagline is no more than five. If you're able to get it down to three, you get bonus points. Number four, make sure your team is aligned and that they understand, know, and agree with what you're selling. Even one person that's not rowing in the same direction has way more detrimental impact on your business than you could possibly imagine. Number five, whatever your competition is doing, do something else, especially if they're good at it. You're never, ever, 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 ever going to win the race of trying to trail after somebody that owns a position in the marketplace. Number six, never try and convince anybody of anything. Even if you do, they will never, ever be a, a good client because they will always be second-guessing everything that you do. Number seven, never talk about yourself. It's just as effective in marketing and advertising and sales as it is at a cocktail party, which is to say not at all. Number eight, remember that you are irrelevant. So is your product or service. You only exist to help solve something. If the problem doesn't exist, you're not relevant. If you've helped them solve the problem, you're no longer relevant either. That's okay. Get used to it. That's the whole point. You're supposed to come into their environment, fix something, and then move along. Nine, stop using words like trustworthy, best, first, etc. Nobody cares. They only care if you can solve the problem. They don't believe it either because everybody else in your category is using them just as ineffectively as you are. So move past that. Number 10, even the most amazing product or service is completely useless if it's not framed properly. Make sure that you understand why and how this is relevant to somebody and make sure that you're using that language. 10, 
I'm sorry, 11, you get what you pay for. Choose your partners wisely. I can't tell you how many times we have to walk people off the ledge from bad partnerships. Try not to do that. Number 12, don't test, commit. If you can't commit, don't bother testing. People who say dumb stuff like, oh, can you prove to me that it will work by spending a fraction of it? And then if and when it works, then we'll pay more. This is complete and total bullshit. Don't even begin to fall for any of that crap. 13, if you're not willing to change, you are never going to grow. Not even needing to expand on that. 14, if you're not willing to be great, you'll never become great. Great means working hard and sticking with it. Most businesses haven't even begun to got the, uh, the gumption that they need to be able to make the journey on that. 15, if you find yourself in an environment that talks a big game but never follows through, you're in the wrong room, go find a new room. Don't wait either. Give yourself a month or two. If after that time it's not right, you're still in the wrong room, get out. Number 16, don't ever believe your own bullshit. Just because you believe it doesn't mean that they would or should. So make sure that you're saying something that's actually relevant to people. 17, social media is not for the faint of heart. It's harder work than you think it is, and it will only pay off if you entertain and educate people in equal measures. Showing pictures of stuff that your mom gave a thumbs up to is not getting the job done. 18, for the love of all that's good and holy, stop using legion uh, tactics that hound, annoy, or otherwise unnecessarily fill people's inboxes because guess what? They hate it just as much as you do. 19, just because your parent, sibling, spouse said it was a good idea doesn't make it so. And number 20, just because something was useful or relevant yesterday doesn't mean it still is today. Be willing to change. It's the only constant you can count on. Next up is the Creativity Uplift podcast by Susan Durand, author of the novel Knife Witch. In this episode, she shares a trick she learned from acclaimed musician Bobby McFerrin for how to switch things up to improve and get even better results. I remember watching Bobby McFerrin lead a music workshop, a singing workshop. He had the students in the class sing a song first however they felt it should be sung to do their best. Then he had them sing in a way that was completely wrong. And then they were asked to combine those two versions in a delivery of the song. And those performances had a richness that neither other version carried. And so I took from that that it's not enough to just do your best sometimes the way you think it should be. Sometimes that can be technically good, but not full of a kind of vitality. So when that happens, you should explore an alternative extreme just to get your creative soil turned and then try to meld those two into a third thing. And this brings me back to a post um, that I did several months ago about a book by James Carse, Finite and Infinite Games. He proposed that artists do not play inside the lines nor outside the lines, but with the lines themselves. Next, an episode of Simplifying Sam, the shortcast, with Samantha Chung. In today's episode, she muses about how you can motivate yourself once you stop being attached to things. Nobody talks about this enough, but one of the hardest parts of your life or periods of your spiritual awakening will be when you wake up and you are no longer attached to things, aka you no longer give meaning to material things or accomplishments or achievements because you've realized or woken up to the fact that they have no meaning. For so long, you've been conditioned to believe that there was a higher sense of worth or love or acceptance associated with these things that was never there. It was an illusion. And so now that you're not attached anymore to getting the house or the car, not that you can't move towards those things, but you're not attached. 
you're in a really weird holding space all of a sudden where you're like, I don't want the same things anymore that I used to want. And I frankly don't want the same things as everyone around me wants. And this naturally leaves you feeling a bit lost. How do you begin to move through a world again in which you were originally taught was based on achieving illusory false things? How do you keep going when everyone around you continues to perpetuate this paradigm unknowingly? It feels a little bit like, well, what's the point in playing the game if I don't care about the fruits or the rewards of the game? And listen, that makes sense because there's a lot of research that shows that if you are doing something out of love and then later on you become rewarded for it, let's say like a video game. If we take away the reward, suddenly the intrinsic motivation to play the game is completely obsolete. That video game player, so to speak, will have to move on to a new game that is played for the genuine joy of playing minus the reward. And so we do the exact same thing. We fall in love with life or the things that we compose our life with for the intrinsic love and value of doing them themselves for the sake of doing them. Not because when we do them, we are going to be guaranteed some later amazing, awesome thing, but because doing it is so joyful. And so we stop playing the game to win and we play the game to play. Those are very different energies. When we play the game to win, Everything we do during the game is a means to an end. We're waiting for a better thing on the other end of the game. But if the game is your life, then you keep waiting for your life to be over before you can enjoy it, which makes no sense. If the game is your life, then you would want to enjoy the shit out of this game. And what does that look like? It looks like participating with things and with people who bring you joy in the moment, not after. And it feels like loving who you are now, your life as it is now, before it becomes something better. Kayla Yuli spent $10,000 on her first website, $50,000 on ads, and only got eight sales. She shares here the lessons she learned from that first experience. My early days, I spent $10,000 on a website and then another $50,000 on ads to that site and got a total of eight sales. Just because the website is built doesn't mean it's ready to go. What I had done was put sunglasses, sunglasses with some pretty pictures and started ads. I was paying a lot of money to get people to the website, but not selling them once they got there. You still have to sell the shopper through the photos and the copy and the styling. Those are just like generally good practices that you need to convert a shopper. Beyond that, we have true conversion rate optimization, figuring out how we can convert more. For example, having a home button in your navigation you need your shoppers to stay focused on shopping links and since most shoppers are familiar with clicking on your logo to return home there's just no reason to distract them from shopping by having that in your navigation same reason you don't overload your navigation with stuff like backs or shipping policies put those down in your footer none of these like micro tweaks are going to give you an extra one point or two points on your conversion rate a collection of all of them together all stack up that's how you achieve things like a two or a three maybe a five percent conversion rate to wrap it up, amusing from Holly Schroeder, a licensed clinical social worker. She wonders if the reason why she can't make small talk at a party is because, as a therapist, she's so committed to big talk. I just had a thought. So this creator that I follow, and she posts all about like private practice, starting your own practice. I'll tag her below. Her stuff is great. She just posted something on Instagram saying how I'm a therapist, so I can talk to people about their deepest, darkest secrets and fears, but I can't make small talk at a party. And I was like, oh my God, me too. And I was always just like, well, I'm like socially awkward, socially anxious. You know, I, I, you know, I just don't do well with small talk. But then I was like, maybe 
it's because I'm a therapist. Maybe it's because we're so used to talking to people about such intense topics that talking about something like the weather feels superficial. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it has nothing to do with it. But I'm curious if you are a therapist, do you have trouble making small talk with people also? I hope you enjoyed this taste of some of our favorite recent shortcasts. If you did, please subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends. We really appreciate your support as we grow our audience. There are links for each of the creators you heard today in the show notes. We encourage you to find and follow them. Check out more great shows available on Shortcast Club. Download the app from the iOS or Android app store. Search for Shortcast Club. Thanks and happy listening.